You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello, everybody, and welcome on in to the Monday Rewind here on the OBR. Uh, if you are not following the OBR, make sure you are doing so right now. You can get to the website. You can get to all the streaming, uh, whether it's Twitch or YouTube, and get over to the socials as well at the OBR or the Orange and Brown Report on all the socials. Make sure you're following for all the best Browns coverage that you're going to get out there, the, the city's oldest and best uh, Browns independent coverage site is the OBR, so make sure you're subscribed as well. If you're joining us here live tonight, welcome. We've got a heck of a show here on the Monday Rewind, Monday Therapy Session, and we'll get into all that, uh, but we want you to be a part of the conversation, so get into the comments uh, and make sure you are joining in and being a part of this, and we'll get your comments into the show as well. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Find me online at Garage Beers, Mike, and joining me, the two best co-hosts for the Monday Rewind you could ask for. First, he's got the uh, the always the best pictures behind him down there. Uh, he's, he may be in enemy territory, but he is a diehard orange and brown man for life. It's Cody Sook, at Cody Sook on Twitter. Cody, what's going on, man? Evening, bud. Oh, you know, another heartbreaking Sunday, but I know everybody woke up. The sun still shined in certain parts of the country this morning. We're still alive. And by tomorrow, we'll be feeling a hell of a lot better than we did today, so... Typical. I had, quite, I had a great day today. I had quite a nice yeah, day today. Right. You know, but it's just the typical Groundhog Sundays we're going through that we got to get past. But, you know, the Mondays <laughs> don't feel so bad right now. That's right. Uh, also joining us, he is the legend. Uh, you can find him online at Fred Greetham 9. It's Fred Greetham. Welcome on in, Fred. Hey, guys. You know, hey, when you've been doing it as long as I am or have, you get numb, you know, to it. You know, it's like <laughs> I always have a line, you know, my relatives say to me, hey, you know, how can you watch that? And I said, Hey, if you keep paying me, I'll keep watching it. So, Boom, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the scam I got going. But other than that, it's <laughs> little do they know that he's Ponzi scheming the Browns. <laughs> it's uh no, I mean, it's, you know, you just know that's what you're in for all the NFL, but this team exactly. You'd almost wish there was no expectations. You feel good at two and three, you know, without your starting quarterback, you know, and all the things. It's right. like if if your starting quarterback or franchise guy broke his leg in training camp, you'd say, Well, you know, this is a, a wash season. But you know, because there's a crack at the end of the season everybody's holding out hope and and you're seeing it kind of slip away a little bit well listen we'll we'll get into it and we will dissect it we'll dissect what we saw against the chargers yesterday we will dissect where the browns are at this point we'll we'll, we'll look for spots because the whole point of this whole thing is at the end of the day like you said cody and like we saw from manimal here in the comments the sun always rises the next day and so we'll look for spots for optimism because I think there are still some spots for optimism in there uh, as bad as things feel after a couple losses. Uh, I did get, you'll see in the comments here, one of our old friends, OG Philly, a very demanding tweet at me earlier, a very demanding tweet at me that said, you guys better be funny tonight. I'll be judging you if you're not funny. 
Well, I got to go. So listen, (laughs) Philly. Listen, Philly. uh, I brought something with me. I had to bring out the big guns tonight for Philly. I had to bring out the big guns. So you know what we call this? You know what we call this in my house? This is the funny juice, everybody. This is the funny juice. (laughs) I'm doing this special for you, Philly. Funny juice is out in full effect. Plus, it's good for therapy. What were you looking for? The Chad juice. (laughs) The Chad (laughs) 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 Oh, that is right in every sense of the word. And then then Fred's always the responsible one up there, and we appreciate you for that. I'm I'm the designated talker. There we go. Fred's always well hydrated, though. You know, yeah, right. And, he, and he's His got a skin mean looks eight iron. So, yeah, he a just looks iron good. And he's hydrated, so I'm telling you, <laughs> we saw those when he gets close that's to the green. Keeps, look out. That's what keeps my keeps my youthful young looks, you know, and and uh, keeps me sane. <laughs> watching these guys pull out all my hair, you know, what are you going to do? Both, buddy. But, yeah, look, you're getting all kinds of, you're glowing. Paul Spencer thinks you exfoliate. Uh, you watch, Paul Spencer watches a lot of like Oil of Olay commercials. Uh, so he knows about that stuff. So he is all into that. Anyways, guys, let's get into this and let's start off our first topic of the night. Uh, and it's just going around the horn and talking about the heartbreak of the Browns lose to the Chargers. Uh, and it is a heartbreaker. In that, I think before the year, if you pulled all of us, and said, again, we did the schedule game. We've done it. We, we've all done it. I think pretty much everybody had this game as a loss before the year. I think pretty much everybody had this game as a loss before the year, before we even knew how the Browns were going to start. When we all thought the Browns were going to start 4-0 or 3-1, everybody thought the Browns were starting 4-0 or 3-1. Everybody. More 3-1 than 4-0 for sure. But everybody thought the Browns were going to start that way, and then they were going to hit the Chargers, and that was pretty much a loss. And so to say it's a heartbreaker is kind of funny now, right? But it is a heartbreaker because you had a kick at the end of Well, first of all, you had the ball in the red zone and you turned it over near the end of the game. And then you still had a kick. I know what the numbers say. And Cody, I'm, in, I'm interested to hear your take on analytics and such. Uh, but Brennan Staley gives you the ball back pretty much in field position. At the end of the game, you have a kick to win it and you lose it. And you don't make the kick. Guys, a game a lot of people thought we were going to lose already turns into a heartbreaker, right, Fred? Yeah, when it's there for the taking, you take it. Good teams do. They find ways to win in those situations. And I, I likened it, the, my analogy is this Guardians team, I don't think is very talented, at least. They don't have the names you know, they may be in the future, but they're more like the Bayargas and LMRs when they first started with the with the Indians. But they find a way to win in late in the games. They 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 might not win pretty, but they they find a way to win. And then you have the Browns who have the big names and they're sitting around finding ways to lose. Instead of going and, and taking it, they seem to sit back and just let something bad happen or not take it and snatch the win when it's there for the taking. And it is very frustrating because you just feel like there's almost an apathetic feeling, you know, that they're not seizing the moment, you know, it's there, you know, and, and uh, that that's just how I see it. Yeah. Cody, I mean, we're feeling the same way. We're just, you know, uh, thoughts on Jake's comment. Uh, we got right here from Philly. Uh, they're playing winning football, but still losing. Is that pretty much how we're feeling here? 
the winning formula is there, and Jake has said as much as well in different type of words. It's, it's, you're running the ball officially. You have the third best offense in football right now behind the Chiefs and the Bills in EPA per play. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw that coming before the season. Everybody no. was talking, okay, we got Jacoby for 11 games. Defense has got to hang on to you for 11 games. Keep the ball efficient. They're beyond efficient at this point. They're literally the third best offense in EPA per play behind the two best teams in football. So yeah. the, the, moving the ball isn't a problem. Yeah, Jacoby turns the ball over in the red zone yesterday. A play undoubtedly he thought about all night. He's probably still thinking about today. Didn't see the linebacker try to hit Cooper in the back of the end zone. Changes the game. Katie York misses two field goals. Changes the game. You expect more out of a out of a guy that's drafted. But for me, you throw that out the window, you score 28 points, right? The defense gives up 238 yards rushing. Oh. That's the problem. You've got a practice guy, squad guy last week, Caleb Huntley out there. Eight yards per carry. Austin Eckler this week, six, seven, eight yards per carry. There's nothing more frustrating to watch and nothing more frustrating to be a part of than when a team just runs the ball down your throat over and over and over again. You can't stop them. It was not happening yesterday. We saw those holes in the middle of the field wide open. He was getting five yards before he even got touched. Yes. So it's, it's just a, a mess on the defensive side of the football right now. In offense, you couldn't ask for better. I, I don't think – I'm not so sure – not to go off on too much of a tangent, that having Watson in there right now makes that much of a difference with their record currently. Maybe one game. He's probably he's probably makes two plays, so you might be sitting at three and two right now, maybe four and one. But offensively, you're playing as good as you can be, is what I'm trying to say. And it's just not working out, and you're losing the games in typical Browns fashion over and over and over again. So okay, but so you keep, hearing, you keep hearing it. You keep hearing it. Yeah. Typical Browns fashion. Typical Browns fashion. Yeah. It is. You're not wrong. It is typical Browns fashion. How do you get rid of typical Browns fashion? Because it's it's stuck to you like glue. Now it is like stuck on your face. You are just typical Browns fashion all the time. What needs to happen for typical Browns fashion to go away? Because I feel like, like I feel like the play calling offensively is good. I like. I really like Kevin Stefanski. Uh, you've got the players out there. How do they get rid of that? I'd like to see some playing with emotion. I'm just, I mean, the only emotion you get is on a bad call, which you end up, you know, throwing your helmet and costing, you know, a touchdown. And and you just see, you're not seeing, you know, that that raw fire emotion that is contagious, especially on the defensive side. It's just ho-hum, you know, let's go out and show it. I mean, Clowney had the most after the game saying, you know, I've never been on a talented team on paper as this, but it doesn't translate to the field. Martin Emerson, I thought summed it up best. And he's a rookie said this, this, this rushing defense, he says, it's all about want to and will. And we all, you know, have played football and that is what it is. It's you make up your mind and you go make a play, not just sit back on your heels and let, another team dictate to you. And that, you know, when they started 14-0, Eckler, I could have, any one of us could have walked through that hole. There was nobody touched him. And that's when you had a chance. I know it was early in the game and the Chargers are explosive, but you just breathe totally new life into them. When you three and out them or shut them down there, boom. You know, yeah. you might have been able to put the game away early, and God, you just felt don't. it too, didn't you? You felt it. You oh, you knew fourteen nothing, and you were like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> you knew it was coming. I feel like yeah. you just knew oh, yeah. it was coming. You're fourteen zero yeah. lead. 
It's not staying. You're not keeping that lead with this team right now. You know, and two things I think what Fred said is with Emerson, he's playing the best out of the whole secondary. He's a third-round rookie. Him and Newsom are playing excellent. Wards is just – I don't know what's going on with Denzel. I don't know what's going on with JJ3. I don't know what's going on with Delpit. Uh, They're not playing to the level that they should be. Um, without without a doubt, it, it's it's disappointing to see the play that's coming from that secondary right now. Um, but Emerson well, is playing some great football. We are going to get to the secondary, but instead we're going to start with an area that had a chance to win the Browns this game and that didn't. Uh, and we're going to start. We're going to switch it over and throw it over to uh, listen to Kevin Stefanski's thoughts on Cade York and the special teams uh, after the game yesterday. Decided to punt or, or go for it. In that case, they went for it, and then you're, you're just trying to help the field goal. In, in that case. Uh, as much as you can, you know. Ultimately, I, I got to give him better stuff to to get down in there and, and not attempt a 50-plus yard or whatever it was. Um, obviously, we have faith in Cade. Um, we expect him to come through. I, I think he will come through for us in the future. Um, but we got to help that field goal. With a young player, you kind of just focus on on um, getting better each day. Uh, not losing confidence in him. He's not losing confidence in himself. Uh, not an easy place to kick in. Um, we'll be counting on him uh, next week, the week after that. Type. All right, so you heard his thoughts on Cade York and the young player, and I think a lot of us have to pull ourselves back and be like, yeah, he's a guy you drafted, but he's also a rookie, and he's going to not perform 100%. You know, he's not Justin Tucker. Uh, but however, after being the hero in week one and drilling that super long field goal to win the game, uh, since then, Cade York's been a little shaky on even things like extra points. Uh, and now yesterday you had the two missed field goals. So give your thoughts, Cade York. Now, where is it? So from, from week one where we were all getting ready to like throw a Cade York parade down the middle of East 9th Street downtown to now, Cody, uh, how have your thoughts changed on the young kicker? The thing with kickers is that when you draft one, he has to be the guy from the get-go, wherever you draft him, let alone where the Browns drafted him. He doesn't have to be Justin Tucker. You're talking about the best kicker of all time. But he's got to be at like a Tyler Bass or a Robbie Gold type where he can be dependable. Now, I think yesterday, I believe those were the, his first two missed field goals of the year Correct. were yesterday, and he's missed two extra points throughout the season too. And we're not talking about he didn't miss a 28-yard field goal. It was a 54-yarder, but still – Game on the line, you drafted the guy, he's got to make that kick, or he's got to make the one before, or he's got to make both of them. Um, I'm moderately concerned, not overly concerned. I still think he's going to be the long-term guy at the position. But with rookies, I don't feel the same about kickers as I do about other positions with waiting on them to perform. You know what your job is. It's getting the ball from A to B and through the uprights. That's all your job is, right? Judging for some wind distance and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I I think – um, I still have high expectations for him. I still think he's getting the job done, but it's disappointed. I don't pin that loss on him yesterday at all. I know he's in there for 54 field goal to make the kick, but I don't pin it on him. I pin it on the other side of the ball. Could What could they have done? You heard, you heard Kevin Stefanski, Fred. You heard him talk about getting him in better position uh, so that he doesn't have to go out there and kick a 54-yarder. They did convert after the mind-blowing uh, Staley decision. Uh, to to go for it on fourth down in Brown's territory, uh, you did see him convert one third or uh, one first down to Amari Cooper over the middle of the field. Then it felt like they stayed away from the middle of the field. They were just trying to get the ball to the outside, and it felt like they had time to complete a pass and go clock it. What could they have done better to get Cade York in better position to make that kick? 
Yeah, that that's if you're going to run the ball, I probably run it on would have run it on first down after Cooper's, you know, catch. They threw an incomplete pass and then had second down hunt for basically no yardage, and then threw the bomb to de- That's the play that that totally scratched my head. Is that I don't know what what you're trying to do there. You know, it's a low percentage pass. You know, he catches it out of bounds. You had the middle of the field there. Even if you threw a seven yard in like you do all the time on third and eight, you throw a seven yard completion, you have to punt. They're going to give you that short one, throw that six, seven yard curl and make it a 47, 48 yard field goal because I didn't see it from behind, but I had somebody who told me that it was, it was going in and from a distance, from a shorter distance, it had been good, but it faded, you know, from 54 yards. So yeah, he should make that kick when you're drafted there, but I blame that first of all, on the defense, you know, they gave up the game, but Stefanski's got to, he he keeps saying, I got to put him in better position. Now, if Brissett changed the column through the bomb, I don't know, you know what, but it was also that bomb, Fred, that bomb was also inches away from being a great catch in, like that was way closer than it looked uh, at first. He almost had that inbound. If he catches that, it's a whole different, we're not talking about it. We're saying what a play they made. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get kind of questioning that, but I, ha- you know, I think well, he just if, went for if it. If and all that, but I'm just saying the safe play is to get closer, you know, and not put it all on on the kid or do that instead of the hunt run sideways for no yards, you know, that took a lot that of time. That was the one that killed That's him. the play. That's and the play. Yeah. Can we, we got to go to a second for this because they did it a few times in this game and it drives me crazy every time. You have two of the best downhill runners in the game and it doesn't mean you can't do wide zone run plays but those aren't wide zone run plays those are sweet plays to the outside and they got blown up on those like three or four times in this game alone can we please can we sign a petition to stop with that play can we think down at the at the down at the goal line didn't they run try to run chubb around the outside he got stopped well then he run right up the middle and got a two-yard touchdown right and hunt got his touchdown two yard right up the middle he yeah. leaped, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. it'll work. It'll work when you're playing the Browns defense at the goal line. And you can run that sleep, and, and they'll get in there. Just yeah, like Eckler you, did. You know, you got four Fred guys run that. Yeah, right, right. Eckler, Eckler three of about, us could go out there running that that offense. Eckler had about two days to get to that end zone on on, the, on that Stop. play. But yeah, that Fred play with Hunt, you have no timeouts. I mean, you got to you run the clock down. You have you run the ball with Hunt. I I, I didn't like that play at all. Uh, but the bomb, I. I kind of get it. You're maybe you get a defensive pass interference at that point, but yeah, like Fred said, it's a low percentage play. But I get why you did it. But you got to look at the other plays too. You, you, high percentage passes hit Cooper, hit DPJ on little slant patterns or on out routes, and get yourself down to the twenty-five or the twenty. Well, that's what I was screaming. Pick. I was screaming. <laughs> go to the middle. Go to the middle. Go. They and and then he just went straight outside, and yeah. it's just a lower percentage throw for him. And you could see it all season. And and our next topic, we'll just go right into our next topic, which is Jacoby Brissett. All season, and he's been good. He's been so much better than I think anybody expected. He's been so much better. That touchdown pass he threw to Amari Cooper on a play that was going towards the sideline. He threw it on the money, which was beautiful. But through the course of the season, I think his throws to the outside have been 
a little bit of a lower percentage than when he throws the ball over the middle of the field. So that's, I was screaming for him, throw the ball over the middle of the field. And he missed a couple to the outside. Let's talk about Jacoby Brissett here for a minute. Uh, he, again, I do want to start with a, the frustrating thing about Jacoby Brissett so far this year. And it is a little bit similar, although he's been better than our previous quarterback. It's a little bit similar to our previous quarterback. Jacoby Brissett makes no mistakes for the first, what, 58 minutes of the game? And then the last two minutes, he's thrown a couple interceptions late in games when the Browns need a drive to either control the game or to take the lead in the game. He threw an interception when they were driving down to try to kick a field goal against the Jets. He threw an interception right at the goal line yesterday. Uh, is that just... What's with the worst possible timing, guys? What's what's with the worst? Can we throw an interception in the first quarter and then save the save the good passes for the fourth quarter? What's with the bad timing? Well, that's why he's a backup quarterback, to be honest. I mean, he's thrown three interceptions, and they've all been, as you said, at the end of the game. The one against the Chargers was the earliest, two forty four to go, and they still, because of Brandon Staley, gave him. They could have still won the game, right? And I'm not blaming, you know, a couple of those Jets and that. All these games have been another reason. But that's what the elite quarterbacks do. They make that play to win the game for you. And, you know, you could say Carolina, but I don't, you know, he got them 10 yards really was the personal foul was the best play they had. And, and so that's just my take there is I just think, his he's a little tentative in the big moment and it comes through. He, he admitted, you know, he saw, I think it was third and seven and they were on like the nine or 12. He could have got at least the first down. He saw Cooper go open and he didn't see the guy in front slipping in front of him and just run there, get the first down and take more time off the clock. Cause y'all felt if they did score there, the Chargers are going to go right down and win the game, you know, and you might not get the ball back. But, yeah, I mean, it's very frustrating. But um, I take a little issue, you know, what? and I'm just going to – it's easy to say because nobody can prove it. But if Watson would have played all five games, I think they would have won at least two more games because I think he would – they've lost three games by six points. Now, I'm, I'm saying not everything would come out the same way, but – He's going to make a play to give him more points in those different situations. If he's well, playing the way he did in his in his prime, I don't know what he'd be, but I think well, if he would have played from the beginning of the year. We're going to go to that. We're going to go to that next because you brought it up earlier, Cody. So we will go to that. But back to Jacoby for a minute, Cody. I mean, just what's making him so good? Is it a combination of him just making the right reads and being assertive throughout the first majority of every game? As a combination of that and 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 the play calling of Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, because it seems like everything clicks for the majority of these games offensively. Yeah, I think that's why they, they went and got him. And he, they knew he was, he was going to fill in for at least X amount of games. They're, I'm sure they were thinking at least six was the, the bare minimum they needed Kobe to step in there. And they're getting the most out of a guy that's a journeyman, backup, spot starter kind of guy. There's only five quarterbacks that rank higher than him in EPA per play right now. It's Josh Allen. Pat Mahomes, Tua, Jimmy G, and Geno Smith, who I don't know what's going on with him. They're playing at a MVP level. 
And right. Jacoby is, is sitting right there, but it's just those final couple minutes where he's just floundering a little bit. And like, just like Fred said, he, that's why he's a backup quarterback. When you have a guy like Watson comes in, he's probably going to make those plays. And we hope that he makes those plays. But I think back to your question is it's a combination of all those things. So Stefanski is so to knack for scheming open players. Jacoby is finding those guys more often than not. Sure, he leaves a couple plays out in the field every game, but more often than not, he's finding Cooper or Njoku or DPJ open or delivering a ball that's very catchable in those scenarios. And they're just pushing the ball. He's making more throws downfield than I thought he was going to as of late, without a doubt, way more than I expected. His A dot was way high, almost double of Justin Herbert yesterday. Granted, Herbert could just throw the ball to Eckler and it's flat and he could just run forever. Yeah, yeah, but right. but, but uh, for sure, kudos to him. And kudos to Stefanski for getting out of him what they've got out of him so far. Uh, but it's just those final couple minutes. Is, I think we all screamed no at the TV right yeah. when he threw that ball yesterday because you could see the wide open spaces right in front of him. Yeah. yeah. Worst case scenario, throw the ball away. Worst case scenario, get your field, yeah. go get the lead and 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 pray to God that something happens with the defense, but yeah. yeah. And they did, they came out and made a stop. Not that the chargers needed to really move the ball down the field, but anyways, we're going to transition. But before we, when we're just going to kind of piggyback off of that uh, conversation, but before we do that uh, in about five minutes, uh, five or 10 minutes, one of those two in a minute, uh, we are going to open it up for your questions in the comments. So if you have things you want to talk about, if you have things that you have questions about, you want to ask Fred, you want to ask Cody, don't ask me things. I don't really know things. But if you if you want to ask things, get them in the comments. Join the show. Uh, we'll get to your comments in the next 10 minutes. But let's piggyback off of that, guys. Uh, because Fred, you brought it up. Cody, you brought it up. Uh, if Deshaun Watson was playing instead of Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Cody, you said you don't know that it makes a big difference. And Fred, you said you think it's a two-game swing. And I'd like to hear just kind of bo- a little bit more on both sides of things because I tend to find myself a little bit more on Fred's side uh, with that one play. It feels like the Browns are one play away in each of their losses from winning that game. And a lot of that can be defensively discussed, but I also think offensively, one offensive play away from each of those games from winning. And and I think Deshaun Watson is good for one play. So so, Cody, start with you. If Deshaun Watson is playing, and this isn't meant to downplay Jacoby Brissett and what he's accomplished, but if you've got an elite-level quarterback out there, you don't think it would make that much of a difference? I'm going to split the difference and say it was probably at least getting one. I, I, It's so tough to judge with how well this offense is playing. It, it, it's really tough to judge because they're playing at such a high level right now, but I, I can't disagree with what you or Fred are saying in that He's probably going to make those one or two extra plays in a game to make a difference. Yesterday, yesterday he makes those plays, right? You're at the goal line in the red zone. He's going to make that play, not throw that pick, most likely. You get the ball almost already in field goal range when Staley goes for the fourth of two and they fail. Emerson breaks up the pass. He's probably going to make enough plays to get you a better field goal position, okay? So at worst, I think he gets you a game. I'll compromise to that. The two – it's it's just judging how much difference he makes with how bad the defense is. He is his ability enough to offset how bad the defense has played. I think is what I come down to, and that's what you want with a guy like Pat Mahomes. We saw it when the Chiefs' defense was historically bad not too long ago. He he did enough to make up for the difference. So that's where I come down to kind of a pickle 
is he does he give you two more games with a defense that's one of the worst in the league currently? Um, but I'll, I'll definitely give it one. I could be way off. I don't know, but I, I definitely think it's at least <laughs> one game. <laughs> uh, Fred, again, not to take anything away from what Jacoby Brissett has done, but you've got to feel you've got to feel like the Atlanta game looks different with. Uh, with Deshaun Watson in there, you've got to feel like this last game looks different with Deshaun Watson in there, right? I mean, that's why he's here. And so... Right. He might not be worth $230 million guaranteed, but he's he's worth a lot more. And, and then a brissette, I believe me, he is doing way better than I thought he would. I thought he was just going to be a game manager. I was the proponent of not trading Mayfield until you knew what was wrong, how long Watson was going to be out. And I thought you'd be better off with Mayfield to keep you in the hunt until Watson was available. I was wrong on that. I mean, they knew what they were doing as far as putting Brissett in this offense and, and doing what he's asked to do. But my, my proponent there is you can see plays being left on the field, especially in Atlanta, in a dome, that guy would have took off running on several occasions and they would have put up more points. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about coming down to the last drive. I'm talking about getting more points earlier in the game. And even in the Jets game, you know, you're hanging on 30 to 17 or whatever, and you lose 31, 30, he would have put up 37 or 40 against that team in my opinion. And so that's where I'm saying the difference is, and maybe that would give you more, you know, killer instinct to put teams away instead of just plugging along and hoping to win at the end of the game. Like it seems like they've been doing, but that still doesn't, you know, the defense, I don't know if you have that in there as a topic, Oh yeah. but okay. So I'll <laughs> leave that. That's where this all lies at the feet of the defense. All three losses are oh, on yeah. the we, defense. We will most certainly get into that. But again, here we sit, uh, guys. We sit at two and three on the year. And the conversation has been, if you can get around that 500, Marcus, uh, if they found a way to get six wins, which obviously looks increasingly difficult at this point to go, uh, you know, uh, six and five, go four and two the rest of the way until Deshaun gets back. But five and six, especially with the way this division looks, especially with the way the other teams, this is the year that Pittsburgh is finally bad. It's here. We've done it. We made it, everybody. Pittsburgh's bad. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, but Baltimore and Cincinnati, uh, they don't look great offensively. I mean, the Browns definitely look like they have the best offense in the division right now. Defensively, they got to get it sorted. But if you can be at that even five and six mark in this division, by the time Deshaun gets back, you got to be feeling halfway decent, right? That, that's well, what my said, prediction was five and six. And I said, I would be comfortable with that. Sorry, Fred. No, I, I didn't know it, but that's what I was going to say is that um, it's all about winning the division. Still. You see Baltimore, you see, they're all about the same. They, yeah. they do not. None of those teams look daunting to me in the division. They're all good. And you could lose them both to Baltimore and Cincinnati. But I said this, before the Chargers game, that they need to come out of this stretch four and four. That's two and two, and now they're 0 and one. And I hate to say that if they lose again to the Patriots, 
I still would rather if you did two and two beat the Ravens and the Bengals. I don't know if you do that in back-to-back weeks, but that's still in front of them. Yeah. You know, if you're two and two in the division games or you win those two and you'd be three and oh, I mean, the Ravens or the Bengals lost to the Steelers. So that's going to give you a leg up. Now they've lost to the Ravens. So if you can beat the Ravens, even of the two, that puts you in a good shot. If you could get to four and four and then with those three games, maybe get two out of three, you know, before Watson comes back. And you'd be Let's six go. and five. That's the optimism I'm looking for, Fred. That's what we're talking about. And so about. what I'm saying is last year, they gave up 47 points to the Chargers. The next week, they gave up 37 to the Cardinals. And we were talking about Joe Woods and how pathetic of a defense it was. And then they went, other than the Patriots game, which that's another topic this week. They yep. ran it down their throat. Then they went on a run of the last 11 games. Only, you know, seven of the 11, they gave up 16 or less points. Yep. Now, the the reason we're all disgusted is because you had everybody coming back. And everybody now knows the defense. And you didn't think it was that important to have two defensive tackles. So those are the two you replaced. Oh, we'll get there. And they're both worse. We'll get there. Uh, All right. So Ian is kind of producing for us in the background, and I'm going to let you know, Ian, we're just going to skip uh, the next topic. We're going to include it in this, and we're going to get to the viewer questions. Uh, and so if you're in here and you have things you want to talk about, if, you, uh, if you've got a question that you want to ask the guys, get them in here now. Uh, I do want to call out Solo Man here. Uh, it's something that I don't necessarily agree with, but our next topic was talking about this run game. And Solo Man on YouTube said, just leave Chubb in the game. 17 carries is frustrating. I don't, I'm not saying you're doing this solo, man. So don't think I'm calling you out specifically for this. I'm just using your comment for the never take Nick Chubb out of the game crew. Like Cody, this isn't, this isn't Madden, right? Like, and, and also people have to remember Chubb has a say in when he comes out of the game sometimes, does he not? Well, he has the second most carries in football right now. He has 98 carries. Derek Henry has 104. Right. So let's pump the brakes on. He's not getting the ball enough. I understand the frustration when he does come out. That's why you have Kareem Hunt. A guy that's a top 10 back in his own regard. Uh, so you got to give those guys breaks. He, if he breaks a run for 35 yards, he's going to need some air. And he's going to, in his next run, is not going to be as good because he needs air. Those guys need to have breaks. It's a proven thing. And there's a certain threshold you don't want to cross in total number of attempts or they start to suffer uh, performance-wise. But, uh, yeah, I th- I, he, he has to come off at some points. And I know people get angry when he's not on the field within those last minutes. I've seen it all over Twitter today. Nice running back in the NFL, leads explosive runs, uh, leads yards, leads touchdowns, leads missed tackles, mm-hmm. leads all these categories. But Kareem Hunt's the better receiver, right? So that's why he's in the game in these late scenarios when you need to be passing the ball. That's why he's in there. Uh, so let's take that off. But still, he's getting the ball plenty right now, more than he ever has in his career. Very happy with his output, very happy with his usage. Uh, so, so I don't think that's a point right now, in my opinion. Uh, All right, so we got a great question. Uh, Fred, I'll direct this at you from Scooter Damas on Twitch. He, he, In a a long post, he says, where's the killer instinct, the will to win? Uh, Leading going into the fourth quarter in all four losses, is there any leadership on defense? Uh, Is there anybody (laughs) holding people accountable? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. That's uh, what I wrote about today. Martin Emerson was asked that, and he's a rookie. And he said today, it's all about want to 
and will to. And I agree with that. All of us, when we played high school or college or whatever level of football we played, even junior high, you know, it is. Tackling is more about want to and will to and desire and effort. And they act like they can just show up. We're pro bowlers. We make a lot of money. And they don't, they just don't do it. Now, it's either that or the coach Woods has them totally in the wrong thing or there's so much thinking that they just can't execute. But we saw them do it last year. That's what's so frustrating. I feel like they don't have – they kind of take on Kevin Stefanski's personality of not a killer instinct, just kind of level. Whether we're good, we're bad, it's all the same. We just got to work harder and – Have you seen anything – here's what I'm interested in. Uh, Because the one thing that frustrates me a little bit is that people continue to expect coaches to go into those press conferences and give like thorough, honest responses where I don't know that many coaches in the history of coaching do that. Most of them go into that and they just, they give the answers that are going to get them through the press conference without saying anything that's going to piss off somebody in the locker room or in like a bad way. Uh, Do you, do you really feel like, and you're around the team a lot. Do you really feel like Kevin Stefanski is that even keel around the guys? I think he's he's more heated. Yes, um, I did not not to the fence where he's turning red in their face. But I wasn't in the interview. But I think John Johnson after the game said that Stefanski told him when he got that personal file, "You can't play for the Browns doing that kind of stuff." And one of the other reporters, you know, was in on that and reported that and. You know, so that was good to hear. You know, I don't know if it, you know, I've had people challenge me and say, why doesn't he bench Garrett, you know, for this? Or why doesn't he bench, you know, do put some teeth into some discipline into it, saying there's some consequences. I don't care what you make, how much you don't produce, you're out. But, you know, I don't see that. I don't see any changes being made. You know, I haven't seen big changes made in three years. It's like, this is what I we do, and that's it. Okay. So yeah, now, yeah, I kind of think my thing is, I like I, okay, I like the way he presents himself to the media as being even killed, and yeah, the answers are dumb, they're boring, not dumb, they're dull, they're boring, they're consistent, and all like that. But I want to see what happens behind the doors when nobody else is in there. There's no media. There's nobody. What is he doing with, with, with these players? How is he speaking to his coordinators? How is he speaking with Andrew Barry? What, what, what goes on in that scenario? That's what I'd be interested in. Because I think he has some of that. It's going to sound like it's a, 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 an oxymoron, but he's he's kind of passively heated in a way, you know, like you see him kind of grunt his teeth. Oh, yeah. Sometimes in the game. And, you, you know, he I think he wants to let that out. But I think he holds it in, as is my perspective, what it looks like he's doing to me. I gotcha. uh, but I could be completely wrong that, that maybe behind the scenes he's just like that too. But I, I would rather him be like that in the media and be fiery behind the scenes than the opposite. But but we'll, we'll see how he does it. But uh, yeah, so you Cody, definitely want – you want not, I'm not talking – you don't have to be Greg Williams here. We're, we're not talking about putting oh, a personal private part in an A-gap, right? You don't have to do it like that. We're just saying come in here and, and – Light some fire out of these guys that when they need it the most. That, that I can agree with. You could do the Dan Campbell and beat somebody up that has what three fingers and one no, ass cheek. I believe that's what he. <laughs> they're also one and four, so we'll see how yeah. that's going. Right. Hey, I'm going to direct this one right back at you. This is way back at seven twelve. Dan Wise in the comments from Twitch, uh, my buddy Dan. Uh, does firing Woods 
a lot. That's the thing everybody's talking about right now. We're going to get into the defense here in a minute. Uh, but everybody fired firewoods, 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 firewoods. Uh, a lot of the players are uh, saying other things and former players. A lot of former players are saying are disagreeing with that. But does it do anything? That's what Dan Wise wants to know. Does firing Joe Woods do anything? Do they have a leader out there anymore on defense? It kind of ties into what we were already talking about. What impact would firing Joe Woods have on this year's team? Well, there's a few things. First, got to figure out who the hell's going to call the plays of the defense. Do you have enough trust in somebody else on that staff to completely take it over and to be calling and calling uh, coverages and calling schemes and calling all that stuff? Do you have confidence in that? That's step one. But steps two and three and four are – if you do that, it could have a very positive effect. One, it teaches accountability. All right, this person's not getting their job done. This person's not getting their job done. You're not going to have a job. It could actually boost morale, depending on how the defense feels about him. If the players are in there thinking themselves that he's not putting us in the best position to succeed, and then A.B. goes in there and says, man, we've tried it. It's not working. You're out. That could boost morale for the team. But should they feel they like him and it's just they're just not cohesive yet enough it could have the opposite effect uh so but i would tend to think that one you gotta have somebody to call the plays i don't know who that is i know they've had i don't know if there's anybody on that defensive squad that's called plays ever on the defensive side of the football um yeah. it depends on how the players feel that's the big thing you gotta get their <laughs> feeling and i think they would make that they would probably talk to a couple of those guys before that decision was made a miles garrett might come yeah. in and say hey we're talking about doing this. How would this rub you? You know, you, we're not going to say the decision's up to you by any means, but how would you feel if this happened types of conversation? Well, we, I appreciate everybody getting in the comments. I appreciate the questions. Again, keep the comments coming. We'll keep posting them up on the screen and talking about good ones. I do want to give a shout out to this one. We talked about Kevin Stefanski's demeanor in his press conferences and era 79, era 79. Bill Belichick is barely, barely alive in press conferences. He is hardly, he is a zombie and he's like, He's like the walking dead in press conferences. So you don't have to, you don't have to be Mr. Press conference winner all the time. Uh, let's move on to the defense, uh, the Cleveland Browns defense. Uh, well, let's, let's let, let's let Miles Garrett tell you what he thinks of the Cleveland Browns defense before we start talking about it. I had a couple of misalignments and uh, just not being where you're supposed to be. And usually that wouldn't cost us, but they, they were able to take advantage of, of some of those, those times where we weren't where we were supposed to be and you know, guys didn't fit off uh, each other and, and make each other right. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say that, uh, you know, it's, it's one guy's fault or another. You know, sometimes, you know, we're able to communicate and if one guy's you know, out of place, another guy feels in that same gap, but it doesn't always work like that. You know, we weren't, weren't able to see it at, uh, and when it happened. And, you know, we're, we're trying to you know, make it better and get better on, on, that, uh, on that side of the ball. And we were able to make the stop at the end, but you know we, we gotta you know sure up some of those those leaky runs like we've been saying. Leaky, it's a big leak. It's a large leak. It turns into Niagara Falls. The leaky run down the field for eighty yards. Uh, uh, Fred, you heard what Miles said. It's been a lot of talk about communication. It's a, a lot of talk about guys not being where they need to be. Uh, ultimately, where is that coming from? Well, it keeps bringing up, you know, they put the finger in one dike, you know, about the sick safeties or cornerbacks. Now it's the defensive tackle, defensive ends. You know, it's, I, I, I don't get it. You got the same dis system you had last year. You got the same players, but two, I don't know. I don't get, you know, what, 
what they're doing or not doing. And, you know, and that's, that's just it. You saw them be effective. They gave up 109 yards a game last year on the ground. So they just felt like that's okay. As long as you shut down in the secondary, but they're not really shutting down anywhere. And that's, what's been the frustrating thing. You know, you stop the run, they throw for 300 yards. You stop the throwing, they run for 200 yards. So I don't know the answer, but it's, that's what Joe Woods is supposed to figure out. And to answer your earlier question, I don't think they have anybody on the staff that could take his place. It almost have to be Kevin Stefanski move over there. And he was a defensive back in college. I don't know if he's coaching the NFL, but I don't, Usually a move like that doesn't help you in the middle of the season. No. I've seen it work with Greg Williams. I saw it work with Marty Schottenheimer. That's about it. So let's start with the positions that everybody's talking about because the, the Los Angeles Chargers came into this game. You want to get you want to be frustrated. The Los Angeles Chargers came into this game with the worst rushing attack in football. Even though you've got a tremendous back in Austin Eckler, he does most of his damage outside in the passing game. He is a guy that will get you 60 or 70 yards rushing, and then he'll crush you with seven or eight receptions. And that's how he does business. The Browns said, no, 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 no. You are a much better running back than that. Go ahead and have these yards. So, Cody, let's start with the positions that we're talking about. Start with that interior defensive line. Is this is this the glaring? Uh, I think we're very fortunate to have some of these guys, but I think we also talk about all the positives and not so, some of the negatives. Is this maybe the most glaring negative that we can talk about with Andrew Barry and the job he's done constructing this team is the interior defensive line coming into this year. Cause we all knew it. It's what we talked about all off season was the question marks at this interior defensive line. And it didn't get addressed except for Perry and Winfrey. Yeah. I, th- I think it's the worst position group in football across any team uh, uh, without a doubt. I, I can't think of another position group on any team on either side of the football that is as bad as the interior of the Browns defensive line. Uh, we something I tweeted about today. There's 106 defensive linemen that qualify based upon numbers of snaps. The Browns have the number 105 and the number 106. Yeah, somebody just they're solo man. Yeah, I tweeted that earlier today. There you go. That's where it came from. 105, 106. Tommy Togi and Jordan Elliott. There's those are the two, the two lowest created interior defensive linemen. The Browns have both of them. Uh, apparently, he's not doing any better. Tim and Brian's not doing any better. Sorry, go ahead, Fred. I was just in our conversation here. Why do they value or devalue defensive tackles so much? It, you know, the hot, they got rid of Richardson because his contract right away and have only really subtracted from that room and added, I think the highest addition was a third round pick Elliot, you know, and he's one of the guys you're talking about. So why did they devalue stopping the runner? They don't think, or is it because they expect Anthony Walker type to make the plays? I thought was, I think it was part of it. I mean, part of it right now, outside of just a lackluster group of talent inside of the defense, is just run fits. None of these guys are getting to the responsible gap and doing what they need to do. If you run a single gap scheme, which is very basic, everybody has a gap you got to get to, and you create a wall against on the on the front of that defense, and you force these running backs to go lateral and outside. But right now, when you have Garrett and Clowney, something Jake has talked about lined up so far outside in those wide nine techniques, the interior is just wide open with those guys, and they're getting pushed around. Just absolutely uh, five, five, play, six, did you seven see that yards play? downfield. Did you yes. see the play Perrion get pushed back? He wound he knocked up Jacob getting, over. J- 
was it Phillips or JOK? One of them. Whoever it was just gets knocked over. It, it's how can you be that big and get d- moved like that? Perry destroyed. Does that happen? The, 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 it, I don't know if they're clueless as to what they should be doing. If it's a blend of cluelessness and if it's a blend of talent in that, but it's it's just an absolute mess where that play with Eckler we talked about wasn't necessarily on the defensive line, but there's four guys <laughs> in one spot on that on on the on the left side of that line. Four guys, and there's nobody out here. Oh. No setting the edge. Nobody's doing run fits, getting to the gap they need to be. It, it's just an absolute disaster. And you hope, okay, that last night they saw that film and said, oh, S-H-I-T, we need somebody at middle linebacker right now, immediately after that game. Let us know that was no joke. if you need help with that word. What's that? If you're not good with the spelling, let us know in the comments. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll tell you what that word was. S-H asterisk T. Yeah, um, you, you, so you go get Deion Jones. Uh, do you think they realized last night AB's like well hold on, hold on, hold on, oh, sorry. hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Next topic. Next yeah. topic. We gotta <laughs> let Ian set it. But yeah, next topic. Guys, uh, Fred, you've been covering the team for a long time. When was the last time you saw a game day trade? A, a a game that happened, and then you just saw the team go, No, this is just unacceptable. The Browns last night send uh, I think it's what a sixth round pick in 24. I don't remember what the total compensation was, uh, but to Atlanta. For a former Pro Bowler, linebacker Deion Jones, a guy that's the captain on their team, uh, what'd you make of that when you saw it from? What was the last time you saw a trade go that quickly after a game? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought anything will help. I don't know, you know, why he has dropped off. I know he has the injury. My biggest question is, are you ready to go this week? You know, he hasn't played in five games because he's been on injury reserve, but he can be designated. He's passed the four games. So if he's healthy, they could activate him to practice as soon as Wednesday. And I just don't know game shape and stuff like that, but he's got to help. They have to say we were wrong on Phillips so far. We thought Phillips would be able to handle this, but when Walker went down, but, you know, he's got to be better than Phillips and Walker, in my opinion. I mean, they never made the Pro Bowl. He made the Pro Bowl. He was a higher pick than anybody. He was getting paid 20-some million. That's the big reason they were moving on from him. And I, as I understand it, the salary broke down where they're eating it. And the Browns yeah, are only paying like a million. If he, if he has a big year. He could be your answer, you know, in the middle. They just, like I said, don't seem to value the linebackers, don't or overvalue some of that. I was disappointed in JOK. You know, I don't want to put it all on him, but I thought he could shut down an Eckler out in the flat. Isn't that just go see the guy as soon as he catches it, tackle him, you know? And I, I very rarely have seen him make plays this year. Yeah, I, uh, I think Jay. I, I I've watched JOK a lot, and I, I like the way he produces. But but I again, I think it's hard when your when your defensive tackle is taking your legs out because he's just gotten blown off the ball five yards, and you can't get around him. That's a, that's tough. But uh, Cody, talk about that for a minute though, because this is a guy that if you saw Falcons fans' reactions to this trade of of Deion Jones to the Browns, they were all kind of like, eh, yeah, he's kind of washed, uh, and he hasn't he's been injured, uh, but. I don't know. What does that say about the Browns and wh- how they feel about their linebacker situation? Because if they are willing to go out there and be like, we need this guy. A, what does it say about how valuable they felt Anthony Walker was and just having a veteran leader out there that they don't have when he's not there. And B, what does it say about a guy like Jacob Phillips or Sione Taki Taki 
that just aren't out there making plays. They're going to bring this guy in and think he's just going to be better. It can't get any worse. I mean, that right. I mean, it absolutely cannot get any worse in that position right now. And he, <laughs> Jones, at one time, I mean, he was a pretty good football player. You talked about him making the Pro Bowl. There we go. Leland. I'm Leland. sorry. <laughs> Leland wins the comments. Um, fire Joe Woods, hire Craig T. Nelson. Yes. 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 All day, every day, I'm in for Craig T. We're Nelson. We're talking the defense. Coach Craig T. Nelson, not the proposal Craig T. Nelson, right? Well, potentially Mr. Incredible Craig T. Nelson would okay. be fine, okay. too. What yeah. was the big guy's <laughs> name in, in Coach? The big blonde guy with the dopey uh, voice. Oh, I love that show. I can't remember. Anyway, It was quite right. good. Anyways, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, but yeah, with, with Deion Jones, a guy that one time was a pretty good football player, declined a little bit last year. We'll, we'll see reasons why. But you have no idea. The Falcons were just not a good football team. Uh, but it can't get any worse. And it speaks volumes, <laughs> I think, to the team that says, hey, we can't, we're not going to have a lost season here. We're not going to just gonna be through five weeks and say, there we go, Dauber. We're not going to just have five, five weeks of the season and say, well, this is over. We got to find guys that can come in and make a difference on this team right now. And hopefully they're making calls right now to address some other positions that we've talked about on this show because the, you need at some point to not be so prideful that you can't admit your mistakes. And, and I think it's been a mistake right now that that position is going to be completely ignored. Yeah. You have guys out there that can play better than these guys right now. Dominic Sue, not even close to player he used to be, but better. Sean Richardson, not even close to what he used to be, still better yes. out there for the plucking. That's what's go, killing me. Yes. Go get him. Go get him. Pay him. So it's not going to take us a lot of money. Go out and pay him. So, Fred, what are you hearing about that? Are, are you hearing, are, are, have you heard any rumors? I know we've had Brad Stainbrook talking about it a little bit in, in Rumor Central on the website. Uh, if you're not subscribed, make sure you do to the OBR's website. But Fred, what are you hearing? Uh, it sounded like they made the deal for Deion Jones, and and then it all said it doesn't sound like the Browns are done. What are you hearing about Browns' potential interest in making other moves? Yeah, I mean, I I think they are looking, and I think maybe they're near the point of no return. It frustrates you as a Browns fan when you watch turn on the Bengals Ravens and you see a guy they picked off the street, Jason Pierre Paul, back to back batted down Joe Burrow passes, and he just literally came off the street. You know, you know there's guys out there that can do those things, and, and their reluctance to bring in some guys, you know, what are you afraid? You need some fire, maybe. You know, yeah. we've been talking about not having some fire. I tell you, Nadama Kasu will bring some fire, you know, and like you said, if you <laughs> want, don't want to – if you don't want this season to go down the toilet, you don't have much room – wiggle room anymore like it could you lose the next three games and you're setting it two and six yeah i think you are done and so yeah that's you know and you don't want to waste you know your investment in watson and this season and all that they can say all they want so yeah you got to be doing everything and you know i think brad's been in contact with some of the agents and so far with some of them, I don't think they're responding. They've heard anything, but well, yeah, I think that it's about time to make some move. Okay. I want to squeeze two more topics in here before we get out of here, because these were two I, I wanted to talk about. I, you know, if you want to talk about frustrations, we've seen it in the comments over and over and over and over and over again. We've talked about the interior defensive line, but the fact of the matter is we didn't really have a lot of expectations for those guys. We talked about the linebacker position, but uh, there was, there were hopes for Jacob Phillips. And then when we all saw Anthony Walker, we we're like, wait, he's better than we remember him being. But if you want to talk about the disappointments, 
you have to bring up the big money guys in that defensive backfield. You have to bring up Denzel Ward has come around a little bit. I, I've got to give Denzel Ward credit for that chase down tackle on Austin Eckler to prevent uh, a touchdown. Him and Greg Newsom chased Eckler down. That's a hustle play that you got to give the guy credit for, right? But this is a guy that has not been the elite caliber cornerback that we've expected. He's giving up a lot of catches. He's giving up a lot of yards. Uh, and he's not been the guy you want. And then John Johnson, I I never see John Johnson out on the field. For the money that they paid and the big hoopla when they brought John Johnson in, I never see him out on the field. And, and I don't know if that's just me. Now I'm just mad about him. But he is just not noticeable. And that I, I hear Grant Delpit's name all game long. He's not always in the right place. But I hear his name all game long. He tends to be around the ball. I never hear John Johnson's name. God, what's what's going on with the big money guys? Cody in the defensive backfield. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is, but it is incredibly disappointing to to see those guys. Because every week, every week you see a uh, uh, war just let somebody by in a catch. Of course, the, the, some of those catches yesterday with Mike Williams. What can you do? You're in his face, and he's just reaching the ball over your head. That that's tough to do. I I get those. But the ones where you're out of out of place in run defense, even you're out of place or in coverage, you're pointing fingers at each other. I hate that. It's every game it happens. They're oh, back yes. there. They're back there. Just you. It's the Spider-Man meme every freaking week. You guys pointing at each other. Figure it out, dude. You guys are in the NFL. <laughs> you're veterans. You're extremely good football players at one time. I don't know what's going on right now, but individually, you're incredibly good. It, it, there's inconsistent. Uh, and I don't know, 43, just, I don't know if he fooled a lot of people across the NFL with the way he performed with the Rams. He's a top 10 and wins above replacement twice when he was there. And he doesn't even look even close to the football player he was. And I don't see him looking at his contract, being back with this team, maybe so what about, past the season. What about this comment? Cause you're talking about John Johnson now, R79. I'm confused to why JJ3 is playing free safety as he is a strong safety and, and he needs to crash and that. There is a lot of talk about that because that is the style that he played yep. when he played with the Rams. He was always around the line of scrimmage, and he's not here. And that, I mean, that could play something into it, right? That's how he played better last year down the stretches when he was playing yes. more up closer to the line of scrimmage. So, problem is, you don't have a free safety. There is no center fielder on this team. Right, right. It's it's not Ronnie Harrison, you know, and, and Dolphin hasn't. Good, Fred. Yeah. I think that would be a high priority in the draft if they have a pick. But I, I talked to Hanford Dixon about this topic yesterday before the game, and he was just shaking his head. You know, we all know, Minifield guard one receiver, Dixon guard the other, no confusion. They just shut down and said, hey, come at me. Why don't you do this? And this is before that game. And then I said, how about $100 million? And he just started swearing, you know, words I'm not going to Like, $100 million. You know, okay, I know that's the going rate, but don't you think $100 million? You should be like, nobody catches a pass, maybe one every three or four games. Don't you think for $100 million? Really? I mean, all right. Listen, hold on. Sorry, the comments. The I comments agree. are coming through. The comments are coming through so good. Williams is six five like me. Okay, fumble. Uh, Ward is five ten like my girlfriend, or five eight like my wife. He's too small to cover Williams. Uh, that's a that's an elite comment, fumble. It's an elite comment. Yeah, but no corners yeah. are that big. No corners are that big. They're all right. shorter than these guys, and they make plays. That's no. 
No, it's it's That's a funny it's, comment though. No, but Hilarious. it's it's yeah. it's great, Fred. It's it's great what you said, and it's great what Hanford thinks. But I would also encourage you guys to listen to a little bit to uh, a buddy of our show when I do garage beers. Titus Powell is a good friend, uh, and he's really smart, and he covers the Browns, and and he does a Browns podcast and all that. We've talked a lot about maybe the fact that the Woods off or defensive calls have been just a little complicated, and he sits there and he goes, "I he was a defensive back in the NFL." Obviously, he was defensive MVP of the national championship game when the Buckeyes won the title. He said this is one of the easiest defenses to run from a player standpoint in the game of football. What Joe Woods does is the easiest defense to pick up, and they aren't picking it up. And he said the same thing that you said, Fred. He said, even if it was me, and he talked about when he was on the Seahawks with that the, the Legion of Boom again, basically, uh, on that team, he would call out Richard Sherman if he wasn't in the right place. He would get vocal. So it is good to hear guys like Martin Emerson, but it's not as complicated, I think, as people may seem. These guys just aren't performing, I think, in a lot of ways. Yep. You know, so, and that's what's, you know, it's there. You saw them do it last year. So they got to suck it up here and they got to play like their backs to the wall. I mean, yep. this Patriots team embarrassed them last year, running the ball down the right down their throat with a guy named Stevenson I never heard of. Now I've heard of him and he did it again <laughs> the other day. 160 some yards. Yeah. You know, and if you have a backup quarterback, rookie quarterback, that's what he's going to do, you know, is, yep. is ran it down your throat. So they better find out in a hurry. Cause this is a winnable game again. Well, that takes us, that takes us to our last topic. Our last five minutes. Uh, we're all, I might as well just plan to go five minutes late on this thing every, every week. Uh, our last topic this week against the new England Patriots with a, an injured Mac Jones, uh, with a, a backup quarterback that most people don't know anything about, uh, with a highly disciplined, highly effective team that's going to be good on defense again, uh, as they always are. So, Cody, you've talked a little bit in our Slack channel, uh, not feeling overly great about this game, but give us something to be optimistic <coughs> about, Cody. Give us something to, oh. give, give us something you're feeling good about in this game. I thought we were going to go the other way. I wasn't prepared. No, I'm not going to let you take the easy route. You can't always be the Grinch, okay? Yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge okay. over there. You can't. No. Okay. It's almost that time of the year. You know, I get to Santa Claus outfits on and be all happy and jolly. Even when it comes to the Browns. Okay, I'll be that guy. Uh, optimism is that they should be in the game no matter what. I don't see them getting blown out in games this year with the way the offense is playing. That's something I can be optimistic about. I think the offense, if they're not – they're not uh, scheme-proof against like certain defenses by any means. No offense is completely scheme-proof except maybe the Chiefs and the Bills. But I think that you could still be able to move the ball, still put up enough points uh, to keep the ball when it comes to your defense. Yeah, I, I don't expect Bill Belichick to throw the ball more than 20 times. It's not going to happen. I don't he's even know do if exactly he's close to that. He's going to do exactly – I mean, they threw it, what, three times in that Bills game last year? They ran the ball 46 times and they won the game. Um, he's going to run Stevenson until they can't stop him. That's what's going to happen in that game and over and over but, again. And and this seems, Fred, this seems like a perfect game for what Hanford Dixon is and you were talking about, right? This seems like the game of games where you can be almost stupidly simple. This seems like the game with, again, we're getting comments. How do we stop Bailey Zappi? Who? Uh, <laughs> this is the game where you feel like you should be able to really simplify this thing and say, listen, Ward and... Emerson and Newsom, you guys just get out there. Delpit and and Johnson, you guys come crashing. Uh, and and let's let's stop this run and let our let our 
cornerbacks be as good as we think they are. Do you expect to see something like that happen? Yeah, I think they got to come stack the box or do things and and just, you know, what teams have done to the Browns is when the Cardinals last year came in and and made tried to make Mayfield Mayfield beat them and he we know what happened that game. I would <laughs> I would go all in and sell out on the run and that's what you're even if Ward doesn't play, you should have Greedy Williams back. You have Williams and Newsome and and Emerson's playing well. Shut down the, and then just get somebody that can guard their tight ends because they'll they'll throw the ball to the tight end. But yeah, you got to eliminate or shut down the run. And that's been the glaring weakness. All points headed there. Well, and, who do they have a wide receiver? They, they got Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, and Jacoby Myers. Whoa. Come on. That's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. While we talk a lot about the Browns offense, or I'm sorry, the Browns defense versus the Patriots offense, I think we do need to take a minute to talk about the other side because I do think this is the best defense you have seen this year. Uh, When you've got Matthew Judon and, and again, a Bill Belichick defense uh, that are going to be coming, this has been a very efficient, very effective for most of every game Browns offense. Uh, What do you guys feel like? What's the challenge? What's the challenge that the Patriots defense brings this week? Yeah, they're going to have the same type game plan they did last year on Mayfield, you know, and and send, like you said, Jew down and put the pressure on and get you in third and long. And what the Browns have been good at this year is getting yardage on the ground. And, and when they do have third down, third and short, very manageable. And Brissett's been able to, you know, pick it apart. So I think that's the formula, you know, on offense. He's going to try to take away that, but but I do like my chances with Nick Chubb. You know, continue you know to pound the ball. You can't go away from your strength. You can't try to do something you're not. Run the ball, and and I think Brissett's shown he can throw the ball downfield to Cooper and and Peoples Jones and the tight end and Najoku. So I think that's what you're going to see. I haven't been worried about the offense. Cody, last thing, and and I think this may be a reason for it, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I, we can we can pick play calls all day long. One play call here, one play call there. We can do that all day long. But the play calling for this Browns team has been darn near impeccable. Uh, they are running the ball as much as anybody, but they're also effectively throwing the ball uh, throughout the game. I mean, I mean, just just talk about how well they've been scheming up plays how well Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pell have been calling plays and what they can do to this New England defense. Yeah, every you hear it every week when the Browns lose. The fancy stop calling plays. The fancy should turn it over to AVP. Somebody else needs huh. to call these plays. Okay, he wants a couple back every week. Absolutely. Most play callers do. But most play callers have a couple plays like, ah, screw that up. Then the Joku reverse. Okay, that was terrible. Uh, last week, the hunt run and the last possession. Okay, you don't want to do that. But overall, he's one of the best play callers in the league. I think I, I wholeheartedly believe in that. In the way he deploys this offense, and he gets the ball to Cooper, and he gets the ball to Njoku, those guys just open across the field. Leave them for for forty. Just said it. There's guys open almost every play. At some point across the field, he's got to give him the darn ball. You got Nick Chubb, the best running back in football, going with the wide zones or whatever he's doing at all times. Successful, almost no matter what. Um, I don't worry, just like Fred said, about the offense. It's relatively matchup proof when it's operating officially and effectively how it is right now. Um, even with the Patriots, the be- probably the best team that's they've played, they're still giving up the second highest rushing success rate right now. So it should still be there to get things done. Um, but these do- they're doing an incredible job across the board. 
Incredible. I love it. I'll end. I'll let Scooter Damas end with this one. Andy Reid's a brilliant offensive mind, and he uh, he he does a lot of trying to get cute stuff. Uh, and and it works sometimes, and it doesn't work sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. Kevin Stefanski's cute. All right, listen. Uh, the bourbon is. Hold on. The bourbon's gone, and I can't refill it in front of you guys, lest you all think I am a raging alcoholic. And so we are not going to do that until uh, one minute from now. Uh, but listen, that's going to do it for the Monday Rewind. First of all, you guys in the comments, spectacular. Thank you for joining us live here. Uh, we really, really appreciate everything you guys bring to our show every single week. Make sure you keep doing that. Listen, the, the week schedule is packed. Tomorrow, you got Jake doing Chalk Talk. And we're gonna we're, he's going to break everything down. You got Garage Beers. Where we're going to talk a little bit about Browns, but we're also going to talk about the Cleveland Guardians. And, and and much to Paul Spencer's delight, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets are starting this week. We're going to talk about that on Garage Beers tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Wednesday, you got Fred is back with Barry uh, for OBR Weekly. Thursday, uh, Cody, you'll be on with Andrew for the weekend preview. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and then Sunday, the pregame show, an hour before the game, the postgame show immediately following the game. We'll break it all down. But we appreciate you all joining us tonight again. Make sure you have subscribed to the OBR's Twitch and YouTube. Make sure that you are uh, following the OBR on all the social medias. We appreciate you doing that. So that's going to knock that's going to uh, knock us out here for this one uh, for the Monday Rewind for Fred over there. Follow him at Fred Greetham Nine for Cody at Cody Sook. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike. We will see you all the rest of this week. Thank you again for joining us, and as always, go Browns. Thanks.